0: You are listening to the Life Church podcast. To learn more about Life Church, our gathering times at any of our central Indiana locations, or our Life Crew online, visit us at lifechurchin.com or follow the link in the description. Today's talk is from Pastor Nathan Peternow. Right? We're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about our town because how many know that God, the, the good news is not just good news for, you know, people that we don't know in some foreign land. The good news is for all of us right here in our in our town. I want to talk to you about that. How many ever heard of the, the famous play called Our Town? It was uh, by Thornton Wilder. It was written in 1938. It's actually purported by uh, critics to be probably the greatest American play ever written. And it's, it's a fictional town called Grover's Corner that happens somewhere between 1901 and 1913. And it kind of takes you into the everyday lives of the citizens. Kind of before there was Seinfeld, there was Grover's Corner. Right? It's kind of a story just about the people that live in that town and... and uh, it's really rather I, idyllic, but it got me thinking about um, really uh, about our town here in Pendleton. I actually live in Pendleton. Uh, my wife and I have lived here for for 12 years. We did not, in our wildest thought, ever imagine that we would. First off, we had no idea when we came to Life Church that it would become a multi-site church. That was not. We, we knew we would be a church that planted churches. We just didn't know that this would happen. And when we moved into this town, we drove by this church many, many times. And, 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 and uh, I never came inside. I, I, I didn't know that what God was going to do. But man, am I thrilled when God's ideas are way better than our dreams. Amen. And so I think about when I think about this town. You just need to know I'm a transplant myself. First off, I just want to ask: Are there any any people? You are a you have your family has been in Pendleton for like 25 plus years. Any anybody like that in here? Okay, we have we have one, two, two, two. Awesome, awesome. Uh, transplants. How many transplants do we have? Okay. Uh, people maybe that you've moved newly into the town or maybe you're just outside of Pendleton maybe in Lapel or there's you know, some of the other areas around here yeah there's probably a lot more hands go up um, you know, I, I, I didn't grow up here, so I, didn't, I don't know a lot of the history. I had to go back on YouTube to try and find out some of the history. The his, history of, of, of um, where the town began, how old it is, um, where did the jail come into place, how did Falls Park get its name, you know, that kind of the heritage of the town, you know, how did the school take, take shape and form. Uh, you know, but I, I, I think about our town, and I think about that, that little church it's got the lighthouse, you know, out there on the, on the road heading towards 69. And I think that's part of our town. Part of our town touching the lives of people who need Jesus, because a lot of people can be around Jesus a whole lot, but not know him. And God wants this town and the surrounding towns to truly know Christ. And I, 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 I like to think that this is a place. Uh, full of people that still need to know Jesus and that aren't likely to find him unless we take him to them. So the theme of our, our, our month here is we're in December. It's not just the Christmas story, but it's a passage from the book of Romans, chapter 10. And it says this, starting in verse nine, it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you're gonna be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. I don't know if you have ever lived in shame in your life. I have. But boy, do I love the idea that my belief in Jesus is gonna wipe out all my shame. For there's no distinction between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call upon him. And everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. How then, boy, this, this verse, this has got to be jarring to your spirit. How then will they call on him who they have not believed? And how are they going to believe in him who they have never heard and how are they to hear without someone preaching and how are they to preach unless they're sent it is written how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news jesus brought good news to all everybody say all all the people do you ever think that those those beautiful feet that he sent with those little baby feet which all of us agree are cute, right? All of us agree are cute. And it's those, those baby feet that came into a manger, those were beautiful feet. But also all of the feet of the missionaries that are being sent across the world into Asia Pacific, those two are beautiful feet. Today, I want you to understand that you and I have beautiful feet. You can look at your neighbor right now and you can say to them, you know, look at your beautiful feet. That might seem weird, right? You don't want to do that. I get it. But the reality is, is that when we take the gospel, our feet are beautiful. I'm going to get all kinds of letters about this. I know. Um, it's, it is a creepy pickup line. Um. Last week, we, we talked about how to bring God's hope to your home. And uh, we, we told you that Christmas is, first and foremost, it is a Great Commission story, because it is. It, it's that we are called to take the good news of great joy to all the people, and we're called to share it. I don't know about you, but Christmas is that part of our year where it just seems like it's easier to become generous, Why? I think it's because we're staring at the generosity of God in the face, in our own lives. And then we're like, what are we gonna do with this generosity? And shouldn't it be that Christians, of all people in this world, should be generous? Last week, we talked about how that joy is for all people. And, and here at Life Church, we really do believe in the Great Commission. What is the Great Commission? You might not know that term. It's to go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, right? Teaching them to obey all the things that I've taught you, baptizing them, bringing them into relationship, into fellowship in the church. And it's our passion, it truly is what drives Life Church. And I want to remind you that this good news is not just news for your home, although it is good news for your home. And it's not just good news for way over there, but it's good news for our town. It's good news for Pendleton. It's good news for Lapel. It's good news for Anderson. It's good news for all of us. It's good news for your workplace, it's good news for the local coffee shop, it's good news for our schools, it's good news for our neighborhoods, and those of you who carry that have beautiful feet. I don't care what your spouse says. In Luke chapter 2, in verse 8 through 14, it tells us of the first people that began to tell everybody the good news. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people, For Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there were with that angel a multitude of heavenly hosts. They were praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth among those with whom he is pleased. Can you stop right there? Have you really considered the fact that God is pleased with mankind. It means on whom his favor rests. God loves mankind, even though we are gross in our sin. Boy, does God love us. And he finds pleasure in our being created and he wants to restore that relationship to us. And that is the good news. And what do they say? Then the angels went from heaven, went away and, they, and from them into heaven. The, the shepherds said to one another, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing which has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that has been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. The shepherds were out minding their own business that night when the reality of that first Christmas was shown to them in this spectacular vivid color. Imagine what it would be like when the truth breaks through in your life and you can see it all at once in like this revelation. I want you to imagine that you were there that morning. You're sitting around on a hillside, there's a small fire. I want you to imagine that it's small because wood is pretty scarce in that time. The night is fairly cool because there, I don't know if you've ever been to the desert, but it gets cold in the evenings. The stars are out there, they look amazing. There's no light pollution. You look up and see the galaxy. You're lying on your back, you're looking up, and then suddenly you nearly faint. Because right in front of you in living color is a brilliant light, an angel. Now, most of us have never seen a real angel before. I don't know if you've ever had an experience otherwise, but most of us have never seen that before. But I want you to imagine that you look up and it's not that little girl that's so cute and she's dressed in white and she's got the the stockings pulled over, wire hangers to make up wings. No. It's not that little cute angel. This is an angel that stands eight, nine feet tall. This is an angel that looks like a man, but he's gleaning, he's brilliant, and he's frightening. And, and you know, it's like you'd have to be wearing a welding visor or something to look at him. You're overwhelmed with the brilliance of the light. And when he speaks, something inside your heart, just fear just starts to melt away because he's there not to scare you to death, but to bring you good news that's going to benefit the entirety of the human race. And he told you that very night that in the town of Bethlehem, King David's hometown, that the Savior has been born, no less than the one that they have been looking for, the Messiah. The long-awaited Messiah has finally come. What would have been for those shepherds on that lonely Christmas evening? Would they have felt confronted? Would they have felt comforted? Or perhaps a little bit of both? They were minding their own business, but suddenly the whole world got turned upside down as God reveals his plan of salvation. For the whole world to them. Don't you think that they would have thought there were better people to receive this message than us? How many of you ever feel that way in terms of realizing that the grace of God is working inside of you and you feel that you're not even worthy of it, let alone to tell somebody else because your life, you almost think, detracts from the story, but it does exactly the opposite because it was to you and to me our lives, broken, not worthy that God chose to put the good news into our mouths. It's identical for that in in the lives of Christians. We're going around in our life, we're minding our own business when we come face to face with the reality of God. And when that happens to you, you, you can't sidestep it. You can't just go on. You can't pretend that it doesn't exist and just wait for the realization to go away. You can't do that. In fact, you have to be honest enough to respond to it. Because this story that confronts us, just like it did for those shepherds, it confronts us this morning. And I pray that when it confronts you, that you just don't lose the reality of Christmas Do you know that God makes it real? I pray that every single Christmas, he will reawaken to you. These are true stories. They sound mythical. They sound fantastic. These are true stories. This really did happen. And it involves God coming, splitting the world, coming to you and to me with a true story that demands a response. And it's a scary fact. There's a guy that I I really enjoy listening to him. Maybe you've heard of him. His name's uh, Jordan Peterson. Have you heard of Jordan Peterson? He really is able to take morality and really talk about philosophy. He goes after the left. He goes after really foolish thinking, and he just confronts it unapologetically with truth. I really, really like this guy. And he's been on a journey. There's a clip of a conversation that he has when he's working through all of the things he knows about, about God, about morality, about the narrative of the gospel, and, and whether it's true. And it got captured on film. I want you to see this.
1: So, okay, so when you think about Christ from a psychological perspective, the, the, criti- the critic, my critic, this particular critic that I've been reading said, well, that that doesn't differentiate Christ much from a whole sequence of dying and resurrecting mythological gods. And, of course, people have made that claim in comparative religion. Joseph Campbell did that, and Jung to a lesser degree, I would say, but Campbell did that. But the difference, and C.S. Lewis pointed this out as well, the difference between those mythological gods and Christ was that there's there's a representation of, there's a historical representation of his, of, of his existence as well. Now, you can debate whether or not that's genuine. You can debate about whether or not he actually lived and whether there's credible objective evidence for that, but it doesn't matter in some sense because this—well, it does, but there's a sense in which it doesn't matter because there's still a historical story. And so what you have in the figure of Christ is an actual person who actually lived plus a myth— And in some sense, Christ is the union of those two things. The problem is, is I probably believe that, but I don't know. I don't, I'm amazed at my own belief and I don't understand it. Like, because I've seen... Sometimes the objective world and the narrative world touch... You know, that's union synchronicity. Yeah. And I've seen that many times in my own life. And so, in some sense, I believe it's undeniable. You know, we have a narrative sense of the world. For me, that's been the world of morality. That's the world that tells us how to act. It's real. Like, we treat it like it's real. It's not the objective world. But the narrative and the objective world touch. And the ultimate example of that, in principle, is supposed to be Christ. But I don't know what to, um, that seems to me oddly plausible. Yeah. But well, I still don't know what to make of it. It's too, it, partly because it's too terrifying a reality to fully believe. I don't even know what would happen to you if you fully believed it. If you believed in the story of Christ, or if you believed that history and, and let's say, the narrative meet, let's Both, say. I yeah. think. I think you. Because when you believe that, you buy both those stories. You believe that the narrative and the objective can actually touch.
0: Learn what we should do with the response to this. This this man's having a a moment with God where all his intellect is reaching out to him saying, what are you going to do? If this is true, and I love that statement, he says it's almost too terrifying to consider it. Because if this story is true, think about all that it means. If God came to earth, then every single thing in our life should change by virtue of that reality. It's good news great joy which would be for all the people I want you to think about what the shepherds did just a simple story I love when the Bible in a few words can capture such unbelievable depth of reality it's good news of great joy for all people look at what they did the first thing that they did was they went out to find Jesus the promised king they went to see for themselves, to go meet with him, to experience his life for themselves. And he was their priority. He was their goal. He, they wanted to take a look at him. They wanted to investigate the claims of the angels. Now, look at what 16 and 17 of chapter 2 says. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And the shepherds were not willing to trust a stranger in ignorance. Even if he did glow in the dark, even if he did come from the night sky and he flew around a bit, I love these guys. Why? Because they wanted to find out if it was true for themselves. And in our world today, there are a lot of cons. I don't know about you, but I get sick and tired of all the stupid, bogus emails that I get. Go to the bank for accounts I don't even have to confirm credit card details and bank account details. There's actually one going around about me. Did you know this? Many of you have actually had this happen to you, and if it hasn't happened to you, this is a public service announcement. (laughs) goes around about me fake me will reach out to you with a very convincing email address and they will claim to be pastor Nathan and it'll say they'll say I'm in a counseling meeting and I can only text I can't call you but I need you to do a special and important mission for me that only you can do and it's according to the hoax uh, fake me asks you to go buy a bunch of gift cards and then distribute them to my staff as means of saying, I, I'm gonna distribute them, and, and to other people that are poor and they're in need of them, I'm gonna either give these out as, hey, way to go, or I'm gonna give them out because people need some financial help. And, uh, and then fake me will text back and forth with you to try to convince you that you're the only person that I could trust in this moment to do this thing, please don't ask me a bunch of questions, fake me a bunch of questions, and just go out and, and, uh, and re- obey my request because you are fake me's only hope. But I hope you don't fall for the fake me hoax. Uh, I was actually out on Thanksgiving Day, this was happening to Pastor Mike, my brother-in-law over at the Eagle Creek campus, and we're sitting down, and we're playing Stratego, Lord of the Rings, Stratego. And while we're playing it, Fake Me is reaching out to him to go do this. And so we were laughing our heads off, and there was a bunch of responses. They literally, uh, Pastor Mike went back and forth with them about 20 times, wasting their time and irritating them, And, and then finally they won't talk to him anymore. So, you know, just letting you know so that doesn't happen to you, but hoaxes are something that we're so we're we're so given to in this world. How many know that wise people go and investigate whether something is true? And these these people, they are wise. They're not going to fall for the trick. They're not just going to get burned, but they're suspicious. And do you know that there is a point where there is some suspicion in our life that's a good thing? There's sometimes where it can also cause problems, but you know, in our society so many people have been burned that the Pew Research Center indicated that in a study in 2019, that the levels of American trust for government and for each other are at all time lows. Uh, and I, I, I really completely understand that because you think about COVID and how many things we were told about all of that. I don't, I don't blame people whenever I you know, I, I kind of see them doubting in, in government, but it does, it does have something that it's doing in our society. It's, it's beginning to affect whether we can trust each other. I, I, um, I even find this sometimes when I'm trying to pastor people. There's two different ways that you can come to life Church. You can come and hear a preacher, or you can come and, and find a pastor. And there's it's big time difference. When you have a pastor, you're allowing that pastor to say things to you that you may not like, right? He he or she is supposed to tell you the truth and hold you accountable even if you don't like what we say. But there's sometimes where stuff is sent to us and we'll kind of counter back and say, hey, I know that's in a TikTok or a, a reel that you liked, but I have a problem with that. Can I talk to you about that? And people get offended by that. And I, I kinda think to myself, are you gonna trust a blind reel that maybe you saw? Or are you gonna trust people that love you and have been in your life for years and years and years trying to pour into you? So we've got this, we've got this aspect of how much do we trust? How skeptical are we? Do we trust, the, the Bible says, the wounds of a friend are faithful. Do we trust the wounds of a friend? Like, do we, do we believe in accountability? Like, there's a lot of stuff that goes on with being a part of a church. But the Pew Research actually tells us 71% of Americans are less trusting of each other than they were 20 years ago. So when you do take the good news to your town, how many of you know there's going to be a lot of people, they are going to roll their eyes, they are going to go, what? And you know what you need to do? Let them. Let them roll their eyes. Let them be skeptical. Let them kick the tires. We can take it, and the gospel story can take it. A lot of people who go and say, I don't really believe in that, just give them time to be around it and you may find that they will begin to believe because we have great answers to our questions. The shepherds were not just gonna do anything out of ignorance, which was good. They, they weren't gonna dismiss it either. They, they wanted to see for themselves, so the shepherds left their flocks, they went out to find out what was real. But what I'm saying sadly today is that there are people that might never have left their fields to go check it out because because they are so cemented in their skepticism. And we don't know who's going to be one that God can reach and who's going to be one that he can't. But we need to give everybody a shot. We should be working in our own lives as, as people who are Trying to communicate a gospel story that is it—it is—it's uh, too good to be true, almost. Right? We need to be careful how our own witness comes off. We don't want to sully the message. We want to make sure that we're living in such a way, or we're acting towards them in such a way, or saying the things that are that 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 continue to allow them to be able to trust um, to trust our witness of this story. Many people in our society, they, they are not acquainted really with Christianity that's willing to confront them with the claims of Jesus Christ, that he's God's son, that he's relative, relevant right now in their life. They decide to debate that whole thing. But instead of going to check out the claims, like a logical person does, they just dismiss it outright and there's potentially, they're missing out on eternal life and all that Jesus promises their life. So we can't make that mistake. We have to be people that investigate the claims. Today, you might be hearing this and you'd be like, I'm not sure I believe. It's okay. Just pray a prayer like this. Lord, help me overcome my unbelief. Pray a prayer like this. Lord, show me. You know, there are books out there that take these questions and they go down to the roots and it's all right to investigate them. But talk to us and, and give us your questions because we would love to give you a sensible response of Jesus' claims as exactly the way that the shepherds were looking for that. And it's okay that people want to hear more and examine. Did you know that shepherds, because they were out in the field, they were actually not regarded by their society as being truth tellers? They were known as being Liars. That's kind of hard when you put the good news, the true news into the hands of liars or people regarded that way. Why were they considered liars? Because they were out on hillsides making up stories to keep themselves entertained. And then they would tell those stories. So there is that aspect that God chooses to take people who have maybe even questionable lives and says, no, I'm gonna have a kick out of this. I wanna put it into these people's hands and let them share it to tell them that they're not excluded, but I want them in. There was healthy skepticism even 2000 years ago. And when they did go to Bethlehem, they found exactly what the angel had said. There There wasn't a con angel trying to lead them to go astray. Like lost sheep, the angel said, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy, which is gonna be for all people today in the town of David. A savior's been born to you, he's Christ the Lord. And this will be assigned to you. You'll find the baby wrapped in claws lying in a manger. Here's what he says follow the clues, go to the manger, go to where the mangers are. You don't look for babies in mangers. I got news for you. That was a detail that was a big deal because people don't lay their babies in mangers. And where were mangers going to be? They were going to be out where the animals were. He's giving them clues. Go to where the animals are. In the city of Bethlehem. Look inside the manger. This one child is going to be way different than every other baby in town. He's going to be dressed in a peculiar way, wrapped in cloths. He's compare stories, ask questions, give accounts. And well, the signs were there. The baby was wrapped in claws lying in a manger. And quite, that, quite an unusual way to find somebody. Babies are in cribs and cradles. They're not in feeding troughs. That's what, a, that's what a manger is. And so the claim they find to be true. This was true. This was true. This was true. And they're going to just keep putting the truth together until they come to faith. This baby must be the Savior. This baby has to be the promised Messiah that we were all talking about. This baby has to be Lord over all. What am I gonna do with this? The shepherds seeing the baby, they recognize the Savior and the Messiah and the Lord, and what do they do? They worship him because he was true and real. The second part of what they did, they're gonna go investigate it. The second part is is that they're going to have to ask themselves about their own response when they investigate the claim. And what that was was they were going to worship the one who was in that manger without a shadow of a doubt that he was the Savior, that he was the Messiah, that he was Lord. And a worship is not a word that the average person uses in in normal conversation in our world today. I mean, some people use it in all the wrong ways. Some people worship their cars. They worship They worship their wives, they worship their husbands. I don't know if you ever heard Frank Sinatra back in the day, I think in the 60s, he's saying, you are all I long for, all I worship and adore. In other words, right? I often would think about that. I'm like, is he saying that he is worshiping a woman? What is worship? It means to kiss towards it means to give that affection, and and so, the shepherds are saying, "Am I with my life going to give affection to this baby in a manger, who's Christ the Lord?" And they, you know, they would have been in that ancient world. They would have had to um, bow down to kings and governors and and leaders and certain Roman proconsuls, they would have had to respond in a certain way towards them. They understood that worship was to give this unbelievable honor. But where they had no choice with, let's say, Herod or Caesar Augustus, they would have had a choice in this moment whether they were going to get down on their hands and knees and bow down and worship at the beautiful little feet of him who was God's good news and when they were confronted with this truth when you and I are confronted with this truth there's the next question are you going to worship him how are you going to honor him are you going to let that belief in who you believe Jesus to be is it going to affect you your behavior at home Is it gonna affect your life at work? Is it gonna affect your finances? What about your priorities? Is it gonna affect how you spend your time? Because real worship has a cost to it, doesn't it? This Christmas, I wanna challenge you to recognize that God is present in your life and your desire to show his son, Jesus Christ, like the shepherds gave us their example. The question is, are you gonna investigate it? Do you believe it? And are you gonna worship? Are you gonna honor him for who he really is? We're all here in reality because somebody first shared the good news with us. Maybe it was your great-grandmother that first heard about Jesus. Maybe you can trace your lineage of your walk with God back two or three generations, or four generations, or five generations. Maybe you moved to Indiana, and, and, you, and you found out that there was already people in your life who had shared that message with you. I don't know what your spiritual heritage is, but do you know that we can all trace it back to this night? To these shepherds, the first evangelists of the kingdom of God. We could trace it all back. What happens if they don't share the gospel with their town? What if they didn't go to Bethlehem and start running around telling everybody what they had seen and heard? Because there are people that are going to be affected by whether or not the good news comes out of our mouths. From the beginning, it has always been God's plan to build his church here, near, and far. It's always been God's plan to take people who didn't feel worthy and make their feet beautiful with the message that's in their mouth so that the good news could go to all the people and come to their town too. And we need it now, I think, more than ever, don't we? I mean, when we look at the world today, don't we think that, man, this world needs good news? We're so connected to people more than ever through technology. But do you know that we have never been lonelier in our lives? We learned something. I I got to go on a trip to Japan in September, and one of the things that I learned was even though Japan is one of the wealthiest, most developed countries in the world, there, um, there are so many people who are lost there. Do you know that less than 1% of the people of Japan know Jesus? If you just go to the city of Tokyo, that's 37 million people, 37 million people. We went up on a tower and you could walk around the tower and in every direction that I looked, my eye, as far as my eye could see, all I saw was city. I never saw the end of the city. That's, that's how big Tokyo is. Makes New York City look puny. And I, was, I just started to get choked up in my heart because I thought about the vastness of the lostness. That not more than 99 out of every 100 Japanese people are going to hell. Because they do not know Jesus. And that that messed with me. They could be the wealthiest and one of the most technologically savvy countries in the world. And it doesn't change the fact that they are unbelievably lonely. Lonely. and I think that we have the gospel, what is our responsibility to the nations that they may know? I know they might've been our enemy in World War II, but can I tell you, they're some of the most friendly people I've ever met in my life. Kind, gentle people. And yet, nobody wants to have conversations around faith at all. And if they don't know you, they will not have a conversation about, about religion. So it means the only way it's gonna happen is through friendship. Do you know how many churches that we have? We have as many churches in the Assemblies of God in Japan as we have in Indiana, about 240 churches. But all of our churches would have to run like 100,000 people to even be able to remotely reach. You've got more people in Japan. There's, a, there's, there's more people, 124 million in the size of California. The lostness of that one town. You know, you gotta go check it out for yourself. You've got to go and you've, you've gotta, you've gotta ask yourself what you're gonna do in terms of worship. But the the last thing is really what the, the shepherds decided to do. The third thing that they did is they left and they began to tell everybody else what they had seen and what they had heard. In a court of law, this is what would be called bearing witness and a testimony of the events. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child. And all that heard it were amazed. At what the shepherds had said, the shepherds didn't want to keep the good news to themselves. But there's too many Christians that they will not have an uncomfortable conversation with people. And essentially, they're just keeping the good news to themselves. I don't want to go there. People aren't interested in my religion. I just need to live my religion. I don't need to actually speak it. Oh, yes, you do. You actually have to tell them so they will know. They didn't want the good news to just be kept for themselves. It was too exciting to be kept a secret. Have you ever had such good news you couldn't wait to tell people? And they went to go witness to their town, to their town. When when I was in Japan, I found out that that they literally have a cabinet position that's called the minister of loneliness. Do you know why? Because in that incredibly wealthy place with all the technology and everything, all the beauty, it's a beautiful place. It's the number one place for suicide in the world. Because they're ashamed. Because they don't even know what to do with their shame. Isn't it amazing that they appointed a minister of loneliness and I think, you know what, Jesus is the minister of loneliness. Isn't he? that he comes and he says, I'll meet you where you are. I'll meet you in your brokenness. I'll meet you in your shame. I'll meet you in your loneliness and I will be your savior and your Lord. And God, do you know God sets us in families? The Bible says in in Psalm chapter 68 verse, verse six, it says, God sets the lonely in families. What is that today? What did Pastor Ross say about what we are today? This place is a family. And whether you're new here or not, we regard you as such. Come and build relationships here. God wants to change that whole situation. But if we are not out there telling people, if we don't have an evangelistic heart, if we're not willing to have tough conversations, if we're not willing, to say the truth in love, if we're not willing to guard our own reputation so that we would have the credibility to be able to speak on the subject, then what happens? People will never hear, their lives will never be changed. We're supposed to be witnesses of Jesus to our own town. When I think about going to our town, do you know that that's living life in a way that just makes Makes sense. You're going to go meet the needs, whether that's loneliness, whether that's brokenness, whether it's even sickness. I love the fact that today the Agape Wellness Center is is, is right out there for all of us to walk beside because here's a family, Dr. Vinod, Dr. Sue, who said, I want to be a part of being able to heal people, not just heal their bodies. I wanna pray for them. I wanna be able to tell them that there's more, that there's hope, that there's Christ. And so they stepped away from, from lucrative you know, medicine in order to, to get the, the chains really to be off of them so that there's nothing to prevent them from sharing the gospel with our town. By meeting a real physical need and then being able to say, but there's more healing that you need. And I don't know if you know, but in medicine, so many times they, they, they like to do this to doctors and to nurses. They like to muzzle them. And so this couple stepped out and said, let's just... Put our money where our mouth is. Believe God for everything. Let's bring affordable health care where we don't have to worry about all the agenda of all the false narratives of politics. And let's tell the truth and let's love people into the kingdom. And we're gonna use our gifts and our talents in medicine. I think that's awesome. I'm so glad for that. And I think they're an example to us. We're gonna be given to that next week. It's gonna be part of what we're given to to help that get established. But it's, it's, it's such an example to all of us of what we can do with what God's given us. People might make fun of you, who cares? You think that people might do things to me to try to destroy my livelihood. Do you really believe that your livelihood comes from man or does it come from the Lord? Who really is taking care of us? It's a time that our town had a bold Christian witness and it won't be just four walls. It's gonna be what happens outside the four walls. Sharing love is what's gonna reach our town. Christmas provides this unbelievable opportunity for us because you know that this is the time where now, more than any other time of the year, if you ask someone to go to church with you, they are more likely to say yes. And I would say, don't just make your Christmas about you and your family. Make it about God's family. Set another seat at the table. Some of you say, I'm lonely. I don't even know who I'm gonna spend. Go fill your life with other people from our town. Go find ways and believe that God's going God's to gonna do something huge through you. We have invitations as, as an opportunity. We create services. We, we do our part as, as kind of setting up a framework. But nothing gets done unless it's living in your heart. What did the shepherds really show us? Go investigate. It's okay. Let others investigate it. Let them come and see for themselves (laughs) give your true worship to god when you're serving these other people you are doing it to jesus and finally you have to witness to the good news that you found go tell everybody would you bow your heads with me i'm going to invite a prayer team to come were encouraged by today's talk be sure to rate us share with a friend and hit subscribe on spotify itunes or wherever you stream your podcast our mission is simple come to life connect to grow find your purpose make a difference thanks for listening to the life church podcast